Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. There's something like deeply, deeply satisfying when you watch something or someone become better than it was, right? I often get pulled into these uh, really satisfying videos that people post on the internet where like, it's like a time lapse of something occurring, right? Uh, Something being created, some kind of art, or even just like metal being machined into something useful or wood. Or maybe it's like a a plant, a time lapse of a plant growing from a seed into a full-fledged fruit-bearing tree. I don't know what it is. There's just like something really soothing about it. Like, Like order is being created out of disorder or something new is being created out of something that started so bland or so small. This is probably like the greatest joy and the reason that children actually get the opportunity to grow up, right? Is that as parents, we see the potential and we see them live into it and we magically forget about all the things that just happened leading up to that moment, right? It's the reason that teachers continue to teach even though year after year after year they say this is it. This is the last year. Every June, every teacher's quitting. And every August, every teacher shows back up. It's difficult. It's a difficult job. But the payoff is when you get to witness this person that you love, this person that you care for, this person that you poured into, become the human being that you have known all along that they are capable of becoming. It's it's an incredible thing. When the light bulb goes off and the child finally gets it, that's where the magic is, right? That's, that's why we keep doing what we do as people who nurture other people, right? I have a friend who was actually my pastor for a lot of years and my boss for some of those years. And one of his sons uh, was uh, youth in my youth group. And uh, I've known him since he was in sixth grade. And life has, uh, it's been tough for him. He struggles with mental health stuff and with self-esteem stuff, and and life just, you know, hasn't unfolded for him the way that he thought it might as a sixth grader. It's certainly not the way that, you know, his parents and family had hoped that it would. The, The years have been particularly long for him, particularly long for a family who loves him and wants to see him thrive. But just recently, uh, he was able to enroll in a career program at the local technical college where he's gotten into and is learning welding. And so Thursday morning, coincidentally, right before I wrote this sermon, (laughs) love it when 
God just drops things in your lap. But I, Thursday morning, I got a video sent to me of him welding, which is satisfying all on its own if you've ever just watched someone weld. But it was even more satisfying because it came along with a message from his dad that said, I literally cried when I saw this. Actually, he's English, so he said, when I seen this. <laughs> it's like a sweet release, a vision of hope in a space that for him and for many who love his son has seemed like a hopeless place, uh, such a struggle for so many years. Like, he's finally getting it. He's finally found something worth waking up for every morning and showing up to do. And to be honest with you, that's the whole reason that I follow Jesus. That's the, the whole reason that I'm a pastor. Because when people get it, when the light bulb goes off, when, when all of a sudden it makes sense, those are the precious moments that I wouldn't change for anything. And so we are in the middle of a series called This Is Us. And what we are looking at is a new mission, a new vision, and new values for First Church that will create for us a vital future. Here at First Church, we are flooding the treasure coast with the transformational love of Jesus. And we believe that we will create, equip, and mobilize 610 disciples by 2030 so that heaven and earth collide on the treasure coast. What we want is for people from the top of, Mar of Indian River County to the bottom of Martin County to know that Fort Pierce is a place where the love of Jesus is tangible, where the love of Jesus is good and known and lived out by God's people. And we'll know that we are right smack in the middle of it all. We believe that God is up to something big here and that we are called to be an, an enormous part of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to accomplish this huge goal of creating, equipping, and mobilizing 610 disciples over the course of six years by leaning into our core values. And so last week, we talked about passionate worship. And so this week, we are moving into our next core value, the value of faithful development. There's no greater joy than watching a person mature in their faith, to see them move from wherever they are and into a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. That's the whole reason that we, this church, all churches, are called to exist. It's the reason that you and I are actually called to follow Jesus. Transformed lives are infectious. Transformed lives are what we live for because transformed lives influence and transform the world around them. The Apostle Paul, in writing uh, to a, a fledgling church in a town called Ephesus, wrote these words to them about uh, the maturity and Christian growth of the flock of people there. And so this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. 
He says, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. Now, when it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. So if you got lost in those words, this is what Paul's reasoning is really all about. What he's talking about is Christ gave us all a gift, which just a few verses before I read, he states is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of God who lives and dwells in and amongst us, that binds us together, that bestows upon us graces and gifting. And so these gifts of the Holy Spirit are that some people might become professional Christians. Essentially, people who are set apart. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Which when I was reading that, all of a sudden I had this thought like, Man, that's like five different jobs. But in modernity, we make one person in charge of all of that, and I want to know why. And I'd like to talk to corporate. But for whatever reason, or however many people it takes, the job of these people, of this person, we just call them pastors now, The job of vocational Christians is to equip the saints. You're like, all right, who are the saints? I don't know any saints. Well, actually, you do. (laughs) Because according to St. Paul, you all are saints. Congratulations. You never thought so highly of yourself, have you? Paul thinks that all of y'all, even you out there who thinks you aren't a saint, That you are, in fact, a saint, a person who has a job to do. And that job is the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So when I got to that point, I was like, well, maybe I won't call corporate because Paul just said, I have a lot of coworkers. And you heard it too. I read it in your presence. But the purpose of our work together is to bring this world into unity of faith and knowledge of Jesus and to develop this whole world into mature people who are like Christ. 
That's a long way of saying that our job is to make disciples. You see how this is working? It's like it all rolls downhill and outwards. It means that we are all in this together. Because 610 disciples is a lot of people. I don't even know if I know 610 people. I have a lot of friends on Facebook, but I don't know most of them, all right? (laughs) But here's the deal. In this church, on Sunday mornings, about 130 people worship. That means that if each of us, each of you, would invest in the spiritual development from invitation to maturity of 4.69 people, We should round that number, right? To five people. We can't round down. That's not how math works. If we all invested in the spiritual development of five people over the next six years, that is one person per year with a gap year, with a mulligan, right? We would be in really good shape. I didn't even write out the math, but whatever 130 times 5 is, do that. It's a lot. It's more than 610. It sounds super easy, right? Like one person a year plus one year I get to sleep. It's great. But you're all humans out there. You know how humans operate. Not always the easiest people to deal with, right? Humans are, well, we're inclined to taking one step forward and two steps back. Like a lot, Right? And so one of the things that we need to make sure of is that each of us is personally on a path of maturity as Christians. And I'm sure that you're all mature as Christians. But Christian maturity is not a destination so much as it is a journey. Remember, the end goal is to be like Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I do not ever wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and go, man, you are just like Jesus, dude. And even if I do, and then I read the gospel reading, I'm like, I am not like this guy at all, right? (laughs) But the reality is that that is what we are striving for. That means that there is never an end. We are always capable of growing and learning and being discipled ourselves. Our consistent connection to God is what empowers us to go out and to pour into the people that God is calling us to minister to. And you cannot pour from an empty cup. Now, Jesus was pretty deep into the game of transformed lives. I mean, it's basically the entire reason that he came and lived a human life. And there's lots of stories of lives that Jesus transformed, but I just want to focus in on one in particular because this guy is kind of like worst case scenario for when you're trying to work with and raise someone up. Is a guy named Peter. You might have heard of him. Now, Peter was a fisherman by trade. Probably a little rough around the edges on that day that Jesus found him fishing out on the lake. But Peter was also like a real know-it-all kind of dude. Y'all know those people? We just call them teenagers, right? 
But Jesus called Peter to follow him. And for whatever reason, Peter did. And Peter caused Jesus a lot of headaches. In fact, in the Gospels, we are consistently finding that Jesus withdraws from all the people, including his disciples, to go to a secluded area like up on a mountain to pray. And I am pretty sure that a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was constantly surrounded by Peter. All right? But also... To illustrate my last point a bit, even Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, had to go and work on his own spiritual development from time to time so that he could do his job. So, like, you really have no excuses. Like, even Jesus did it. But anyway, Peter is famous for doing some amazing things like walking on water with Jesus and then totally blowing it, right? Losing faith, falling in, and almost drowning. But despite all of his faults and all of his shenanigans, Peter was the person that Jesus promised he would use to build his church. And all the other 11 disciples were like, oh no, right? How is this going to work? This can't be good. But even after that promise, Peter still messed up. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter resorted to violence and cut a guy's ear off. Like the opposite of the things like turn the other cheek that Jesus said a lot. Love your enemies. And then 12 hours later, on the day that Jesus went to the cross, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three separate times. And so that's the kind of person that we're dealing with here. One step forward, two steps back kind of guy. Just like, I don't know, you and me. Peter is all of us, and Peter is everyone that we know. Peter is everyone that we've ever tried to work with. But here's the deal with Peter. Peter's story doesn't end with denying that he was a follower of Jesus. Peter's story was really just getting started. You see, after Jesus came out of the grave, Peter's real life as a disciple of Jesus truly began. His mission to build the church started. And it started with this interaction. So Jesus has come out of the grave. He's hanging out with the disciples and they're having some breakfast because even God likes breakfast. Peter turns, or Jesus turns his attention to Peter and he says these words. This is from John chapter 21, starting at verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you 
and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter would go on to be the fiercest advocate for the gospel, preaching to thousands and thousands and establishing the movement that would change the world right in the face of opposition. Peter, the foolish one, the one who lacked faith, the one who spoke first and thought second, the one who threw Jesus' teaching out the door at the very onset of conflict, the one who hid and shamed his affiliation with Jesus in order to save his own neck. This guy, this guy started this whole thing that we have been devoting our lives to for 2,000 years. Listen, y'all, if this guy can do it, we're in good shape. We can do this. Peter's not unique. Peter was a human being just like you and I. Sure, he walked with Jesus himself. But in the end, Peter was just human, empowered by the same spirit that empowers you and me and every believer that has ever walked the face of this earth. What happened to Peter is that at some point, he finally got it. Sitting on that beach with Jesus, Peter finally understood. The light went off. Feed my people. Develop my people. Teach them how to be like me. So here's the deal. We all have some growing to do. We've all got to grow in our faith so that we can grow our church. You can't give away what you don't have. But aside from our own personal growth, we need you to be invested in the next generation of Christians. We need you to be pouring into the lives of people who are new Christians, people who are not yet Christians. We need you to be invested in starting programs here that target the next generation of Christians. And so, did you know that it's much easier to create, equip, and mobilize disciples if those disciples are children and youth? Have you ever heard the old adage that it's easier to raise a healthy child than it is to fix a broken adult? The same principle applies to discipleship, not that we throw away our desire and our focus on the importance of adults, but the reality is that a lot of times the adults who need the church are the parents of children who need the church, and children have a way of bringing adults into the building. My entire family goes to church, and you want to know why my entire family goes to church? Because when I was eight years old, I walked into my house and I said to my mother, I want to go to church. It's been 30 years and my mom is still a disciple of Jesus. In fact, being a disciple of Jesus is what got her through all the years when I was no longer a disciple of Jesus. And so if we are faithful in our pursuit, if we are truly about 
faithful development, it's time that we move. It's time that we step up. It's time that we step into our future, that we create something new, that we take risks, that we become a church that nurtures and faithfully develops disciples from the cradle to the grave. And we have to be all in on this. So my question for you is, are you all in on this? Are you all in on this? Do you believe that we can do this? I do. I, I truly do. It's going to take some investment. Investment of your time, investment of your energy, investment of what is in your wallet. But mostly, it's going to take investment of your prayers. And so this is what I want each of you to do every single day. Pray. Pray for our church to have a vital next generation ministry sooner than later. Pray like you've never prayed before. Pray like you believe that we actually cannot do this without God's help, because we cannot. Pray for children and families to be transformed by this church. Pray for that every single day. Set an alarm on your phone to remind you to pray. And I'm 100% serious about this because I believe that prayer works. If I did not believe that prayer works, I would not be standing here today. Because the prayers of that woman, who is a disciple of Jesus now for 30 years, are the reason that I'm still alive. I believe that this is important because our future and the future of our city, the future of children, the future of our world depends on this. So will you do that? Will you pray with me every day for the foreseeable future? Pray until I tell you you can cease, which will never happen. We're going to do this. So let's pray together, like, now. Sound good? Gracious God, giver of every gift, the one who makes the impossible possible, the, the one who shatters our expectations, the one who breathes life into old bones, the one who revitalizes churches, the one who resurrects and revitalizes broken and hurting lives. We, we invite you to come into this space to, to create something new, to show us what it looks like for us to be your ministers here in Fort Pierce. We pray for every single child, every single family who is, who is hurting, who is seeking who's looking for something to believe in, some place to belong, God. And we just ask that you would point them here and that we would be ready with open hearts, with open minds, and with open doors to, to receive them, to nurture them, to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and then to say to them, follow me. Let's go. There's work to be done. And so God, bring, bring your people. We are here, we are willing, and we will become ready. We know and we trust that you will do what only you can do. And we're here to do our part as well. We are your church. We submit ourselves to you. 
we ask simply that your will be done here in Fort Pierce as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.